Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you're snacking on anything but tasty cake, you're making a huge Miss Cake. A fistful of chocolate-covered raisins? Miss Cake. A spoonful of peanut butter? Bigger Miss Cake. Or the worst Miss Cake of all, your kid's Halloween candy, and it's April. If it's not tasty cake, it's a Miss Cake. Because nothing satisfies like a perfectly sweet butterscotch crimpet. Or rich and creamy chocolate peanut butter candy cake. Tasty cake. Except no substitute. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of charts at Billboard. Joining me, as always, is Billboard.com senior editor Katie Atkinson. Hello, Katie. Oh, hey, Keith. How are you? You know, doing well. I am super stoked because uh, today on the show, we've got Coming Around Again, and it's all about The Simpsons. Okay, we'll stop now. Yeah, I know. You'll, you'll hear more <laughs> about that in just a second because the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, as we mentioned, we've got Coming Around Again with Billboard.com Senior Associate Editor Andrew Unterberger. Andrew will be discussing the 30th anniversary of The Simpsons premiering as part of The Tracy Ullman Show. Andrew will be joined by Pitchfork and spin writer Ian Cohen, and the guys will also be talking about their favorite Simpsons songs, musical moments on the show, and diving headfirst into a discussion about the rock star-filled Homer Palooza episode. So stay tuned for all that in just a few moments. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss an episode and give us a rating or review while you're at it. If you have any questions for us, feel free to tweet us at Keith underscore Caulfield or KT Atkinson. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. Um, so I love The Simpsons. Yes, same. Uh, I think uh, it would be appropriate if I gave you a special Simpsons chart stat of the week. Hit me. Or chart stat of the day. It's not <laughs> of the week because we've got more than one episode now. We, we just got chart stats coming out the wazoo. Um, did you know that the Simpsons had a top five charting album on the Billboard 200 chart? Did not know that. Well, it was the Simpsons Sing the Blues, um, and it featured hit songs like Do the Bartman and Deep Deep Trouble, and it peaked at number three uh, for one week back in January of 1991. But you may be wondering, 
what blocked the animated family from getting a number one album? Well, since I know I was nine years old when this all went down and I owned that album, it's going to definitely be some music that is dear to my childhood. You were nine. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and loved The Simpsons. Obsessed. Um, well, that week at number one, Vanilla Ice... To the Extreme was number one. Yes. And Madonna's The Immaculate Collection was number two. Owned so. both of those as well. Oh, really? So I was just really in pop culture at Man, age nine. You were, you, you were very <laughs> young and hip with the pop thing. Indeed. Well, um, we'll hear even more about The Simpsons in just a moment because... It's time for Coming Around Again. Can I borrow a feeling? Could you lend me a jar of love? Hello, and welcome to Coming Around Again, the uh, still relatively new uh, Billboard podcast dealing with music-related anniversaries. I'm Andrew Unterberger. I'm a writer-editor for Billboard, and uh, today we're going to be talking about the 30th anniversary of The Simpsons. It's a, it's a little bit of a cheap anniversary, kind of. It's, it's not the 30th anniversary of the show proper, but it's the 30th anniversary of its debut on The Tracy Ullman Show, which was like a variety show that that debuted on Fox it was an important show for them back in 1987. Uh, but it's, you know, it's enough of an excuse to talk about uh, one of the greatest TV shows of all time. And to help us do that, we've got a uh, writer for Spin, Pitchfork, a whole bunch of other places, Ian Cohen. What's up, Ian? How's it going, man? Yeah, going all right. So I, I wanted to talk to you specifically because, you know, the, <laughs> the, the intersection of rock critic and Simpsons obsessive is certainly not, you know, it's not a rare one, but I'd say you're pretty squarely in the middle of it. As I even remember once when I was I was writing for Spin, I was writing a review of the Beach Slang album, and I wanted to get my review up before I knew you were going to be writing about it for Pitchfork because I made one Simpsons reference in it, and I was positive there was at least like a fifty percent chance that you were going to make the exact same reference. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you're when you're my age, like you know, I'm thirty-seven years old. That means um, you know I came of age like right during. The, the core of the Simpsons, uh, where like started to kind of transcend from the cartoon to like this uh, this cultural monolith that has probably influenced my life more than uh, more than anything, really. Um, you know, just my perspective. So, um, you know, it's an honor, it's an honor to be that person, even though like I mean, to grow up in the '90s uh, and be kind of smart ass, uh, a suburban smart ass meant that like you were you gravitated towards the Simpsons. So I'm certainly not alone, but I'm glad you made the call for me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And this is actually one of the one of the first things I wanted to talk about. I kind of had a theory, and you can tell me if you sort of agree with it, which is that, like, for, for people, you know, we're about the same age, but we at least both kind of came up, or at least would say we came up in the 90s. And uh, I would say for people of our age that the Simpsons are basically the closest thing we had to the Beatles, you know, and I don't mean that in, like, a, a, a cultural impact way. You know, obviously, you know, the Simpsons were incredibly important to television and to comedy and to animation and all that, but they didn't really have the same kind of, you know, they, they didn't sh- change the culture the way the Beatles did. But what, what they did, what they do have in common with the Beatles is that they have this just unbelievable back catalog. They have like this massive, deep and amazing like text to refer to. And like just as how there's really not such a thing as, as a Beatles deep cut, you know, you can talk to somebody from the sixties or even somebody's just raised by somebody from the sixties and you talk to them about a song like like Revolution Nine, which is you know a, a, an obscure experimental song on side four of the White Album. They'll know it, and they'll they'll, they'll recognize references to lyrics, and they'll recognize you know just the sort of general concept of the song. And it's the same sort of thing with The Simpsons. There's no such thing as an obscure Simpsons reference. 
at least you know from the first ten seasons, you talk to somebody our age, you know, you can make just like a kind of an offhand, uh, you know, just kind of an allusion to something. Like like just before, just before coming on today, I was I, I had purchased a package of honey roasted peanuts. I'm sure I could have said something. You know, oh, like honey roasted peanuts ingredients. And my immediate laughter knows where you realize that I know exactly what you're going. Exactly, and it's probably the first thing you would think of with honey roasted peanuts, and the first thing that anybody that you and I would kind of concern with would generally think of when they think of that. So, uh, d- does that make sense to you? Do you, do you think that that kind of lines up? Uh, yeah, I mean, then, then of course, then we're going to spend the next thirty minutes trying to figure out what the equivalent of like bungalow bill is, or like you know why don't we do it in the room? Yeah, sure. Uh, but I think that's um, I, I guess that's that's true in the sense that first off, people of a certain age. Um, defend uh, The Simpsons as like you know the zenith of pop culture in the same way like people from Babe Ruth generation might see the Beatles as like the platonic ideal of like what a rock band could accomplish or any sort of musician can accomplish and uh, likewise I mean I think The Simpsons has that effect as well now I mean the major difference is that unlike the Beatles you know The Simpsons kept going and then, yeah that, that's the major hole in the theory certainly yeah, this is now we're getting like you know whatever the um, Simpsons answer to like flaming pie is or whatever. <laughs> um, you know, like after a while, you know, like the Paul McCartney wings out were pretty good or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the Beatles certainly makes sense for me. I mean, it's just such a like everything, just like like politically speaking, or just like a style of humor, or like vocabulary, or the referential humor. I mean, like, everything um, can kind of go back to that. And it, you, you can certainly tell the, a certain kind of perspective uh, from someone who was raised by The Simpsons. I mean, I just got, I just really, even though I was, like, watching it throughout high school, like, on syndication, that's how I got to, like, really immerse myself in the minutiae of it. I just... I wish I could re-experience it. I would like to see, like, the monorail episode for, like, the first time. I mean, or, like, any of those for the first time, so... Yeah, it's um, al- it's almost impossible to remember, you know, life before The Simpsons or what it was like to, yeah, to, to exist in a world where this wasn't kind of, you know, the iconic text for our generation. and It's, it's just... Because, it's just, I mean, you see, like, the way, like, you know, throughout, like, TV is talked about today or what, I mean, you know, we didn't... TV wasn't talked about in the same degree, like the same widespread um, media circulation. So, I mean, it was like around, I mean, it was on Fox, obviously, but I mean, just the the fact that so many people have this shared experience of like quoting, not just like seeing, like watching a football game, but like seeing it and quoting it and having the same like throwaway lines just somehow through every like middle school and high school it's, like it's something that just seems impossible to replicate you know similar to the Beatles I guess you know yeah definitely and obviously there's you know a million different things we could talk about when talking about the Simpsons and the Simpsons legacy but this is a billboard podcast so we're mostly going to talk about music and uh you know, the Simpsons were they were I'd say they're very casually innovative in the way they used music you know they they used uh, a combination of they would you know they would use pre-existing songs you know pop songs for, I guess from from the mostly from the animators' youth, uh, but they would also mix in uh, you know their own original songs and parodies of, of of other you know pre-existing pop songs and and show tunes and stuff like that and they, they would ha- and 
they wouldn't necessarily need a reason to to, to throw them in there. You know, the, there were musical episodes, like entirely musical episodes, and those, those were great too. But it wouldn't be uncommon to just have, you know, an episode where all of a sudden the entire cast is together in the scene and they would break out into song together. Uh, and yeah, that, that's kind of one of the things you sort of take for granted about The Simpsons almost is that you don't, you don't even really think about it until you realize, like, well, you only, I guess not a lot of other shows were doing that at the time. And, and, and a number of them have started doing it since. I would say probably not as well as The Simpsons did. Yeah, I mean, it's the thing about The Simpsons that stands out to me is like how, um, I mean, the fact that it's animated gave it a lot more freedom sure. than most shows at the time. Um, uh, animated TV shows, I mean, they existed to a degree, but not, um, they, they weren't either, like it just gave them, it, it allowed them to take more chances to like play with non sequitur. And I mean, uh, and was, the thing that's amazing to me, and I think we're going to talk about this later, is just when you look at the um, the royalty of, like, who's the most famous musician, like, from the 90s or, you know, like, leading up to, like, 1998 didn't appear on The Simpsons? I mean, like, I, maybe, like, Led Zeppelin or something. Yeah. Like that. I mean, the like, like, every living Beatle, like, U2, Prince, Michael Jackson. I mean, it's, it, it's, 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 yeah, I mean, when you get three out of four Beatles and, and the other one's not around to show up, I think that's that's a pretty good get. It's yeah. a pretty good sign of where you're at in the culture. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah, for sure. And so, as you alluded to, yeah, we're, we're gonna we, we got a couple uh, lists that I asked you to prepare, and I prepared them myself that we're gonna kind of run through. Uh, we're gonna talk about our favorite songs from the series, uh, and then we're gonna talk about our favorite uh, musician cameos on the series. And we're going to share a couple songs that uh, maybe we, you know, pre-existing songs that we, we can't not associate with The Simpsons. And, and then uh, we're, going to, we're going to close it by talking about Homer Palooza, which is certainly one of my favorite episodes. I'm, I'm going to guess that it's one of yours, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, we could, we could like, when, when I was told, like, yeah, don't put Homer Palooza on these lists, I mean, like, it, it took away a lot, but it's like, yeah, that's, that's like its own universe. That, that, like, that's like existing as a separate Yeah, so yeah, so we'll talk you know, a whole lot more about that later. It's probably, uh, you know, if not the best music-themed Simpsons episode, it's certainly one of them. Uh, but why don't we start off with the with our with our best songs list? So uh, you you go first, Ian. Tell me what you had as your number five. See ever coop, right? For all the latest medical poop. Yeah, that's a fee effort song right 
Oh, that, that is an obscure choice, Ian, even by, by Simpson standards, at least. That, that is not one that I, w- I would have uh, predicted here on your list, but it's a good one. And uh, I, I would say that if, if you were to come up with another episode that would kind of rival Homer Palooza as like, kind yeah. of the, the ultimate music-themed Simpsons episode, it would be uh, the B-Sharps episode. I think it's called uh, Homer's Barbershop Quartet. And there's you know, any number of songs yeah. you could choose from that, too. But uh, it's, a, it's a good call. It's a good wow. one to start us off with. Yeah, I mean, um, but that, that one's up there. Um, Okay. I don't even remember the song, but it's just like the, the ridiculousness of um, the, the things that like the Simpsons were all about that um, you know a few other shows could accomplish. You know, like having like Tito point a brain for murder, and then like um, and, and then just like play like I don't like how did I how did I know who Tito point a was? I had like, no clue. You know, a Fifteen year old, and then all of a sudden it's like oh wow, this guy's actually like like a very important figure. So. Um, just the way it's like utilizing the plot of one of the most important episodes um, is made it just like, and also a slanderous mambo. Like, <laughs> Can't go wrong with a slanderous like, mambo. Yeah. Uh, number, number three song, um, and this one I'm sure is on most lists, it's the monorail song. Um, and it's like one of those episodes that's considered, uh, you know, just one of the best of all time. Um, that itself warrants inclusion of uh, that one. Number two, um, now this is also a song, it's not a song, but um, it's from one of my favorite gags in the entire, like, of all time. It's when Homer sings the Max Power song to himself. Um, I guess in, like, the style of Goldfinger, I think. <laughs> but it's, it's just, like, one of the perfectly ridiculous moments that comes along, like, So I, I don't have that. I didn't. I didn't consider that one on my list. But I did give strong consideration to uh, the Scorpio theme, like the closing Scorpio theme. Oh yeah, which is also yeah, very Bond esque. Mediocre president song. 
Yeah, I've gotten a lot of trivia questions right in my time because of the mediocre president song. <laughs> it's a good resource to have. Uh, and yeah, the, the, so it's probably another one of the ultimate testaments to just like what a, a rich uh, you know song catalog the show has. That I don't, I don't think I had any of the same top five as you did. Although I do love wow. Dr. Zayas, uh, and I do sometimes just just randomly start laughing thinking about from chimpanzee to chimpanzee. That's that's a that's an all timer. Uh, I did, I guess, for, for number five, I did like kind of cheat and put a tie. I put a tie between uh, the monorail song, which you had on your list, and uh, we put the spring in Springfield, which are are kind of oh, like, yeah. like 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 those are the two best examples to me of the kind of two like 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 full cast numbers that you sometimes see in The Simpsons, where like there'll just be a ridiculous scenario, like. Uh, you know, the, the, half the town wants to, to bulldoze the whorehouse, and so everyone has to come and either support them or fight them, and the, the cast just bursts out into song, and the, the Simpsons do that as well as anybody, and I'm not sure if anybody even did it before them. Uh, so number four I had on my list was uh, one I'm actually surprised that you didn't rep for, which is uh, We Do from the Stonecutters episode, uh, yeah. which is, you know, a, I'm, not, I'm not even sure if it's supposed to be a parody or something. I mean, obviously, it's, you know, it's, it's about uh, the Stonecutters, which are this kind of Freemasons group that, that Homer joins in a one-off episode. And uh, it involves them taking credit for aliens and for, uh, for Steve Gutenberg's illustrious acting career. And it, it's, it's, it's a very clever and memorable song. Uh, number three, I had Talking Softball from Homer at the Bat. Oh, it, God, yeah. Yeah, which was... That, that, was, that was definitely a consideration. Yeah, that that's a great one. That's you know the parody of uh of talking baseball by Terry Cashman. Uh plays over the the end credits after that their Homer's team wins the pennant. And uh quick shout out to uh, to Jeff Martin who wrote that that song or at least wrote the lyrics to it, uh whose daughter Sam Martin I, I used to work with at at a site called Pop Dust and is a very very funny woman and uh clearly uh, got it from her parents. Uh and number 2 uh an all-timer uh, can I borrow a feeling from Millhouse Divided. <laughs> Too little, too late, Ian, but, uh, it, but it's, it's my number two. Uh, great kind of soft rock parody uh, sung by Kirk Van Houten. Hurt and Hearts Need Some, feel- need some Healing is, a, is a certainly like an all-time great, uh, terrible Simpsons lyric. Uh, and just the sax riff, it, it, it's, it's, it's timeless. Uh, and number one yeah. is, a, is, a, is a song that isn't, isn't really funny, but I, I, it has like an emotional resonance with me like no other song from the series does. Which is "Happy Birthday, Lisa" from the oh, St- yeah. Stark Raving Homer, which is uh, was famous for Michael Jackson appearing in it. Uh, and he he didn't sing the song apparently because he you know he, he was only cleared to to do the speaking parts of the episode. And then there was a whole big thing about how he performed under an alias anyway. And they were they you know they, there were a number of issues with I don't know licensing or just 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 clearing his name or whatever. Uh, but they got a good, very good Michael Jackson impersonator to do it, and it's a it's a song uh, sung from Bart to Lisa uh, about, you know, it, it, her birthday's coming up and uh, he doesn't get her a present, but he gets her the song. And it's, it's actually this incredibly moving song, kind of a uh, child's innocence, uh, expression of joy and, and love from a brother to a sister, which, you know, actually growing up, I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons for a couple of years because my parents were afraid that my brother and I would, would, would somehow, like the, the relationship with between Bart and Lisa would somehow rub off on us, and they saw that as a very negative influence. I'm still not quite sure where that came from, and, and certainly uh, moments like this, which are very touching, and then and it's certainly not the only one between Bart and Lisa. Uh, but it shows, you know, 
the songs were often really funny for the show, but they could be incredibly powerful too. Uh, yeah. And um, I think that's, um, that's a good point about like the emotional. Like I, like most of mine were just like the completely like random, like sure. half song, like the, the guy's five voices version. <laughs> yeah, I think that's um, you're, whereas you're like the, you like the completest one, where it's like there's like a full song and they would show up on a soundtrack. But I think that just once again proves the depth. And I, I do like your pick for number one. I mean, like there are some songs. Uh, from the Simpsons, like, you know, who needs a quickie mark, for example, that, um, and just so many episodes that have this, like, really gutting emotional resonance to that. Um, like, can I borrow a feeling? I mean, that, that too is just like, if you're, if you're caught a certain way, <laughs> it's like, not it cuts. it's like, oh, God, I, God, we've all been there. It's certainly, certainly true. Uh, yeah, I saw I saw a paste list of the forty best uh, best Simpsons songs from from last year. I yeah. think not 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 to, to to talk shit on paste or anything, but uh, third number thirty eight for Happy Birthday, Lisa. I, I, that, what are you doing, paste? That's that's just inexcusable. Uh, and before we move on, I do want to give a quick a quick shout out to uh, to O Streetcar, the, the entirety of the O Streetcar production. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Hard to choose just one song from that, but uh, uh, you know, I'm just a simple paper boy. Uh, New Orleans, which it's apparently like very controversial in its time. I, I didn't realize until reading up on that recently. But uh, that that was that was the Simpsons, uh, you know, musical recreation of a streetcar named Desire, which is such a random thing to do in an episode. But they, they did it so well, and the, the, the songs. I I certainly you know I, I heard those songs well before I ever saw a Streetcar Named Desire, and, and watching the movie oh, yeah. for the first time. You know, all you can do is just think about how it lines up with those ridiculous Simpsons songs. Yeah, I mean, and also um, we can we can we can throw on there, um, you know, like when I was seventeen. Um, oh, for sure. Like, but, yeah, that that one's kind of like a crossover between like a Simpsons original and like a song that I discovered in the Simpsons. But um, yeah, it's it, you know, it's it, it's almost impossible. Like, if you hear a song that was interpolated by the Simpsons, it's almost impossible to remove it from that context. Very true. Um, before we move on to the. Uh the guest appearances. I did want to ask you quickly about a song that I'm, I'm very not surprised that either of us uh, didn't pick, and partly because I don't think it was actually ever in an episode, but it does kind of you know exist outside of The Simpsons in a way that... I know what you're about to say. In a way, in a way that I personally uh, don't really relate to because I was a little bit too young when it came out, but uh, do you have any strong feelings about Do the Bart Man? I knew it. I knew you were going to say that, and um, it's... That, you know, if you really want to do the... Um, the comparison of the Simpsons being akin to the Beatles. I mean, sure. that's like sort of like the, the Beatlemania's version where you, it's, I mean, you're just like merchandising everything. And um, I don't remember, I mean, I, I remember Through the Bar, I, I almost have very distinct memories of seeing it premiere after a Simpsons episode. The same way that uh, Joey Lawrence tried to launch his solo. <laughs> Yeah, not the live action Bart, like, Joey Lawrence. But fuck, here, here we are. But um, yeah, it's you know, it's it's such it's it's almost like you know something you have to apologize for in a sense because like it's so like I don't think it's meant to be funny. I think it's like I, I'm trying to rec- I'm trying to even remember what its actual purpose was. Yeah, uh, I, I mean there was like a 
There's an entire CD made of like based on that, right? Yeah, I think there was there was a CD like a, a compilation of like a couple originals. There's also Deep Deep Trouble, which was co-produced by DJ Jazzy oh, Jeff. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. Sort of sign of the times there. Uh, and I think most of this, uh, the album was called. I'm blanking on it now. I'll look it up later. But uh, it was it was a compilation that had like a couple of those originals and a, a bunch of like the Simpsons singing like I don't know, blues and soul standards. I guess I've never heard it. To, to be honest, I'm not even sure that I've ever actually even heard all, to the do the Bartman all the way through. Like I, I get the yeah. gist of it and I feel like I'm good with that. Yeah, because I'm pretty certain it was like to the degree it could be. Um, it, it, to the degree it could be, it was like state of the art 1989, like you know. Sure, sure. So, um, even beyond like what it says about the Simpsons um, being kind of like craftly merchandised in that time, it's like just such an artifact from um, you know what rap sort of what, what rap was sort of doing at the time. Yeah, it, dark days for everybody, and uh, th- that that album was in fact called "The Simpsons Sing the Blues," uh, which uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't I don't think. Uh, it's probably not available anywhere. Actually, the, the sad thing is that there are a couple really good Simpsons compilations, uh, songs in the key of Springfield and Go Simpsonic with the Simpsons, both of which you know I owned when I was younger, and I, I probably knew a lot of the songs, especially from Songs in the Key of Springfield, which came out first. I knew a lot of the songs from that. I would know I knew all the words to them before I ever actually saw them in their proper context. Uh, and they're not really available on Spotify or I don't think any of the, the major streaming services, which is kind of a bummer, but uh, I guess it just means you have to actually go back and watch the episodes. So, uh, so moving on, we're going to talk about uh, you know our favorite guest stars, favorite music-related guest stars on The Simpsons. Uh, uh, before we get into the list, uh, Ian, do, do you know who the first ever musical guest was on The Simpsons? You see, um, I got my ass handed to me at Simpsons Trivia first, <laughs> and, this is, and, and, this, and this is where my true colors start to show. So, um, uh, oh, I. Uh, it's, it was idea. Tony Bennett and uh, Dancing Homer, the Capital City episode. Oh, yeah. Which I wouldn't have gotten either, for the record. And, and as a matter of fact, I remember, like, you know, in, in New York, there, there are a couple Simpsons trivia, you know, kind of outings that, that, that happen regularly at, at, at bars around the city. And uh, I remember I told my parents that I went to one once. And they were like, oh, man, you love that show. You must have, like, absolutely cleaned up there. And I was like, no. But by Simpsons standards, I'm, like, average at best. I, didn't, I, I, I haven't watched in a while, and I only really know the first ten seasons. And, like, the fact yeah. that I, I, I really was an obsessive fan of the show growing up. You know, I had, like, you know, the, 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 the guidebook to it that I read so much that the, the pages fell out of the binding, oh. stuff like that. Yeah, but but that, that leaves me in, like, I don't know, the top 30% maybe. Like, it's really not exceptional. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's like that. That was such a going to a trivia night. Such an eye-opening experience. Really is. Like, it's on some level, sort of comforting. <laughs> there was, there, there's like some times where I ask myself, like, man, like, how deep am I in that? And then you find out that there are people whose like depths of knowledge are so much more deep than mine. And uh, you know, uh, it's. It, it, it's kind of amazing, like, you know, how much deeper uh, we can get into this. And, but also, like, these are, you go to a trivia night, and they ask anything from season, like, 13 on, and just, like, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it requires a time investment that I just don't have access to. Now that, like, <laughs> you know, I'm not, like, eighth grade anymore. Yeah, the, the one that I went to has a very... Uh, 
hard line like season 10 and earlier policy and then say that anything oh. after that yeah god bless all right so moving on to our list of favorite musicians to appear on the simpsons uh ian why don't you go first okay so um this one was really difficult because um you know they're are very iconic um you know appearances but um once again similar to the uh similar to the previous list sometimes i take uh Making, uh, both making zoological appearances or at least uh, appearing to, to, to deal with zoological problems. With Joe C too, right? What's that? With Joe C in tow, right? Yeah, Joe C. That's exactly and that's and Joe got you know less than power for Joe C. Um, is that that's uh, just like it, that's that's one of the good memories I have of like late nineties uh, Simpsons. I, I just think it's like one of the like one of the most ridiculous like concepts for an episode before it got like way too random and just finding like. You know, having Homer singing along with Ball of the Paw and um, Joe Z getting these, like, good jokes in. It's one of the, like, stuff with me to the point where I can't barely, <laughs> like, barely remember anything else from the episode except Mark saying, take them off the glass. Um, <laughs> Forgot about that part. <laughs> number, number three, um, one of the, in my opinion, one of the most underrated episodes, uh, one of the underrated episodes of all time, and perhaps, like, the last truly great one in my opinion was um instinct okay. uh, the party party episode is just like so implausible but just beautiful in the way it was executed and just like and, and uh, just the way they utilized justin timberlake at the time just were um and the way they all dance in tandem it's it it it, it, it was just like the perfect like I, I guess the Simpsons writers even recognize just how much um, personality each of the like members of Instinct had. You know, like they they they, they were wise against them rather than the Backstreet Boys or whatever. It's um, it's just it's an episode that's like one of my favorites and one of the most quotable, and it, it really legitimized by having Instinct on it. So 
you can remember exactly why they felt the need to have a boy band episode. For um, sure, yeah. Number two, number two, and I'll be shocked that this isn't on your list, is the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, one of my favorite bits of trivia about this, um, this was when, um, it was like right between they were switching from John Frusciante to like Dave Navarro, so they had, I believe, Ari Marshall in there. And this guy was like barely in the Red Hot Chili Peppers at all, but he got to see this episode. Um, I did not know that one. That, that's that's news to me. I don't think I'd ever paid attention to like who the, who the guitarist is in there with the uh, with Flea and, and Anthony Kiedis. Well, if you had a one hot minute, uh, which would look like I did, you might have paid attention. Fair uh, enough. But yeah, it's, uh, that that one is just like wow, like no way. You know, there's the arguments about like how they're gonna like uh, alter, give it away. Um, just <laughs> it, God, it's it, it's 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 like a reminder of like how many bands like were on The Simpsons and like had a sense of humor and just became completely humorless <laughs> um, going forward. Yeah, and, I didn't know, no one could have foreseen the the Stadium Arcadium era from uh, Forget You Clown. Songs are like our children. <laughs> wow, everyone can enjoy that. Um, and my number one, I think this is kind of cheating because of the um, common thread the fact they're not even a real band is Final Tap. Um, okay, they, they were an honorable mention for me. I, I wasn't I wasn't sure whether to go with them or not. Um, God, just every and like it, it, it's kind of cheating because I mean, it's a lot of the humor with the musical guests comes from like their reading of the line. You know, specifically like Billy Corgan. Um, that one you know comes to mind. Uh, but just you know, in Final Tap, like they're comedian and you know they probably write their own jokes. But um, yeah, it's like what. The, the radio interview itself. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, two two things about the uh, the Spinal Tap appearance, which which I, I agree with is is a great one, even if kind of kind of off the beaten path for what we're talking about here. Uh, one is that I love that uh, they they're treated like a real band. Uh, then that sort of like yeah. you know the fact that they're a fictional band, the Simpsons and the Simpsons is a fictional universe. Uh, it makes sense that they would be treated as if they're they're a, a real band, even though you know it's not a shared fictional universe. Obviously, uh, yeah. and I, I also love that they just die at the end of the episode. That their their tour bus, I think, or whatever the, the car they're traveling in, just blows up, and that's not dealt with at all. I, I don't remember how it happens, but I just remember that they're you know they're, they're talking. Oh yeah, good show last night, and then all of a sudden their bus blows up, and, and that's never never dealt with again. All right, so once again, our, our lists are basically completely different. My my number five. Was a tie between Red Hot Chili Peppers and and Bette Midler, also from the Krusty Bits oh, Cancel yeah, episode. Uh, you know, Bette Midler, who apparently uh, needed, you know, it was a requirement in her contract that her her like anti littering program get airtime, which is why they, they have her as this like Terminator esque uh, superhero, like avenging littering alongside the highways. Uh, that was a very good you know playing against type sort of cameo. Uh, playing into type more so was my number four, which was uh, Sting and the, the "We're Sending All Our Love Down the Well" episode. Oh, yeah. uh, yeah, uh, that's another great, another great example of someone who's like outside the context. Yeah, for sure. And and I love uh, that they have him in the undershirt with the suspenders as well. It's, it's a it's an iconic Sting look. Uh, number three, <laughs> a little surprised you didn't have this too, which was uh, the Ramones doing uh, doing the Happy Birthday song from Mr. Burns. Uh, yeah, just uh, you know, how is that not on either of our top five? God. Yeah, uh, and and that one was uh, 
you know, that, that, that's, that was probably a lot of kids our age uh, introduction to the Ramones, or at least, you know, yeah. there's a song that you first associate with them. They do this kind of punk version of happy birthday and they tell Mr. Burns, go to hell, you old bastard. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like, I don't, I don't think it's on any Ramones greatest hits albums. Or it really should be. And also we get, before we got like have the Rolling Stones killed. Oh, uh, right. We would be, we'd be remiss to go any further without mentioning have the Rolling Stones killed for sure. Uh, and I wonder if they knew at the time that they would one day have the Rolling Stones on the, on the show themselves. But clearly, clearly they didn't take it personally. So uh, two, I got to have a Beatle. I went with George Harrison, mostly for the reasons you mentioned for James Taylor and Barry White, where it's just like, you know, it's not a throwaway appearance necessarily, but it's definitely like a significantly underplayed appearance. You know, he shows up in the yeah. Arts episode, which is obviously a Beatles tribute to begin with. And, you know, he says hi to Homer, and Homer immediately, like, you know, he latches on to the fact that he's eating a brownie and he wants to know where he got the brownie from. And that's basically the entirety of the George Harrison cameo, aside from at the end where he shows up to comment on their, like, let it be, like, stadium or uh, rather the Moe's rooftop performance. Uh, yeah. So that was great. That was a great kind of wasted legend there. Uh, number one, talking about bands that, you know, lost their sense of humor almost immediately afterwards, uh, you got to talk about U2. And, uh, oh, yeah. And the, the trash. And uh, the, the Trash the Titans episode, uh, uh, you know, uh, Homer goes or he goes to infiltrate a U2 concert to launch his own plan for Garbage Commissioner. And not not only is, is Bono like willing to like cede the stage to him because he thinks, you know, he's talking about waste management, man, that affects the whole damn planet. But he, he also like he knows who Homer's rival Garbage Commissioner is, Ray Patterson. He's like, I hear Ray Patterson's a fine Garbage Commissioner. Uh, you know, forgive my terrible Irish accent there, but uh you know, I thought that was just a, a brilliant like self-parody for U2, and you know, it, it was a fun era of U2. It was like the Pop Mart era, and he's wearing the Fly T-shirt, and uh, I just have very fond memories of that. And that was that was towards the end of you know, I remember like a couple seasons after that, they had REM on there, and yeah. REM like didn't quite work. So usually, the bands on The Simpsons work the best when they can kind of either play like super into type or play super against type but rem doesn't really have like a cartoonish type the way some of these other bands do and yeah. and and so that was kind of an awkward one but you two i thought was, was was one of the all-timers so that's my number one one i wish i paid more attention to when they were on was uh fish um so i, I don't even, i don't even remember that when, when 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 were fish on fish was on I, there was i think it was like a an episode in the early 2000s where like uh, i believe it's the try to legal uh, Springfield tried to legalize marijuana, and then like, mm. um, and like, just like, more, like, Hans Moltz, like, there's like some like anti-weed actors, and like Hans Moltz says, "I had to hear fish," <laughs> and just that one line, like, that stuck in my head, makes me wish I had paid more attention to it. But um, yeah, I mean, when you start, when you act, if you actually look at it from a lot, I mean, apparently, Blink One Eighty Two was on the Simpsons once. Do you know this? Uh, I, I think maybe I saw it in, in doing research for this, but yeah, it, it's you know every every year or so, every couple of years, you get that temptation to go back and be like, oh, maybe you know you judge it too harshly. You you shouldn't judge you know the last twenty seasons against the first ten seasons, or you know maybe that just the writing staffs have turned over so many times that maybe like this new writing staff is is going to be closer to the classic Simpsons. And I don't, I don't, I honestly don't know if it's me or if it's the show or if it's just too much time has passed. Or what? But like every time I do it, I'm almost always disappointed. Uh, I don't know about you, but like I, every time I, I try to dip back in, I, I always like am reminded of why I stayed away in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. 
So that, that's kind of a bummer, but you know the the, the, the ten seasons obviously uh, it's enough. Like you, I, you, I just wonder if there's going to be like someone here in this podcast who's like super serious about like season twenty two and just like all <laughs> a bunch of posters. And I, I hope so, man. I, I hope there's there's a reason why the show's still on the air. Presumably, there's still people out there watching it. So I I, yeah. I would almost be kind of comforting if it was just an age thing, and if like people twenty five and under are just like, what are you talking about? Like the Simpsons are good now as they ever been, or but I feel like people like that, they're not even watching The Simpsons. They're watching, you know, you know, I guess probably not even South Park anymore, but like first they were watching South Park and Family Guy and, and even Futurama. You know, you get the people who say that Futurama is better than The Simpsons. Uh, and yeah, this, is, this is becoming very old man ranty, so let's, let's move on at this point. Uh, and why don't you talk to us about a couple of songs that you associate with The Simpsons, Ian? Okay, so there's three songs where um, there's kind of a... Uh between the first list we did and this one because um, some of them I learned them through the Simpsons because they were you know somewhat uh, altered uh, the first is like one of my favorite um, like throwaway gags is um, like hey there Georgie girl um, <laughs> for sure the Seekers yeah yeah and you just see like Homer like holding up people like making up his own song like hey there people like, and he starts crying um, it's it, you know, I, I, it was funnier when I thought he made it like made it all completely, but like hearing its original context just um, makes me all even better because like it was just like like the ability to like think, oh yeah, my big boy, yeah, let's, let's yeah. Like who who pitches that, that in the writers' room? Who who says, oh yeah, that's a great idea? Like it's it's crazy, but it, you know, it, it obviously leaves an impression yeah. twenty five some years later. Um, the next song is the one by the RG Sugar Sugar. Okay. Um, it, it's just um, it's just a great um, it's, it's a, like a great moment in the series where uh, you know like another incredible episode where they go on the camping trip to junior campers and Homer's singing that song to himself like he's dancing with like the lot and like tape blows out or whatever. Um, that was a that was a song that like once again I thought like it wasn't a real song and then you find out it was and then like you, you just kind of realize that Homer Simpson himself might have been like some trivia nerd back in the day no different than us um, number three um, another throwaway gag but I, this is how I found out I learned I found out about cheap trick in the Simpsons um, you know it, you know oh, dream police sure. like, I prefer cheap trick but there's the, the part where like Apu is uh, cleaning his car, like watching his car and singing along to Dream Police. And it, it, it's just like a great, you know, you, this is how I imagine Cheap Trick being in that time where you're just like a shirtless, you're a shirtless guy, like, um, you know, watching your firebird or whatever. <laughs> it's like, can I split, can I, then he gets back into like a poo mode saying, you know, can I spray you, playfully spray you with this hose and then he sprays Bart like terribly. Um, Number two, <laughs> this, this one's just, uh, I, I can't think about this one without laughing. It's uh, Tighten Up by Archie Gomes. Right, yes. And, uh, Good call. This is, it's just, it, it's just uh, all these seem to be Homer Simpson just getting off into his own reverie. Um, and, like, he's all one man and then he gets, uh, just buzz off to Debbie. Um, <laughs> and I also like the fact that, like, Tighten Up by also, because, you know, got sampled later on by the Ghost Team. Um, so that song itself, I don't even know if I've heard the originals, but every other context I've heard it just brings me so much, um, 
So uh, that 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 is that is like a, a very good song, a tighten up by Archie Bell. But it, it yeah, it, they they did they did a really good job of when when they dipped into like those late '60s kind of bubblegummy or, or just sort of forgotten like pop classics. They, they, they did a good job of picking kind of weird idiosyncratic pop songs that kind of kind of fit well when taken out of context and then and put in this this yeah. totally bizarre context. Uh, so yeah, they, they they had a good musical supervisor for that. And number one uh, song I found out about Bruce Simpson. Oh God, it's kind of cheating because it is. It, it's over, it's only in the it's in the context of I just realized it's in the context of Uncle Lisa. So uh, I apologize, but it's Mississippi Queen. Um, only because it goes into like first off, it's like what what is more like? I mean, what what it is like the like stairway to heaven of butt rock or whatever you want to call it. Like it is just every single like aspect uh, put into this. Like, I mean, I just make the joke, like whenever um, you read something about like Joe Biden, it's like, yeah, Mississippi Queen is always playing in his head. It's, it's just like this kind of like badass song um, that is just completely and utterly um, like late seventies, early, like, you know, Late late sixties, early seventies, just straight up like classic rock, and you know, then it gets into the classic rant where like Homer apparently goes all four, um, you know, like all four like members like Grand, Grand Funk, Funk or whatever. Sure. But um, that's a different band. But just like Mississippi Queen, that um, <laughs> God, that yeah, that was a good choice. Song, just to show Homer out of touch, I think it's fantastic. Even okay, so it's kind of cheating, but um. Anyway, that, that's, that's fine, that's, and and, and we'll we'll certainly talk more about all things Grand Funk later. But uh, so yeah, I'm not going to spend too much time on mine. Uh, you know, I'll just kind of mention two sort of strains of song that that The Simpsons kind of went back to a bunch of times, uh, and none of which I had known like ahead of time. One of which is uh, the musical Hair. Like they had, they had like. Three separate songs. Uh, they, they had you know, the song hair uh, for when, when Marge is starting to lose her hair in the, in the Sherry Bobbins episode. They have a Good Morning Starshine by Oliver, which is uh, the one where, where uh, you know, Mr. Burns, is, they think he's an alien and he emerges with this green glow and he sings the song. Uh, and The Age of Aquarius, I don't even remember where they used that one, but, but all, all three of them come from the musical hair. I, I don't know if some, you know, someone in, in the writing staff must have had the cast album Maybe it was just a big thing from the late '60s, but I, I certainly didn't know any of that at the time. And the the other kind of big strain is uh, Frank Sinatra. Uh, they, they got uh, you know South of the Border in, in the, the Camp Krusty episode, uh, Summer Wind after Martin gets pantsed and uh, the one the one with the, with the swimming pool. That's a classic. And as you mentioned earlier, uh, it was a very good beer. Their their parody of it was a very good year, which. Uh, it's a very funny, very funny parody of a very, very sad song. Uh, but I certainly knew the parody before I knew the sad song. So that's all great. Uh, and so, yeah, at last we, we arrive at Homer Palooza. Uh, this is obviously one of the best episodes of The Simpsons. And it's, it's one of the funniest episodes of The Simpsons. But as, as you kind of alluded to earlier, uh, the older you get, it stops being so funny. It kind of gets uh, sad and, and real and, and just, just, just very, very true about the sort of feeling of growing up as a music fan and, you know, things are changing around you, but you're not necessarily changing yourself and, uh, and, and just kind of the, the impact that can have on your psyche. So, so Ian, why don't, why don't you, I'm just going to let you loose. Why don't, why don't you go in on a Homer Palooza for a minute? Homer Palooza, um, it's, I mean, like, I mean, it's cliche, like what, what to be 
I mean, like you think you think about the fact that it had both the Smashing Pumpkins and Sonic Youth, which, um, in, in retrospect, they were very diametrically opposed bands. Um, you know, like Kim, like I'm pretty, like I, I'm pretty sure, like you know, Billy Corgan had beef with them because you know Sonic Youth thought they like Smashing Pumpkins were a bunch of posers. Sure. Um, and uh, you know, like Cypress Hill, uh, and it's so crazy to think about like how um, how prescient that episode was because I mean like Laurel Falusa, uh like was I mean for the most part the the, the only festival um, that I could really remember from that time I mean obviously there were other ones but as far as America goes um, just the way it kind of predicted like the, the price out the price gouging of festivals and sure. just the rise of it it's like there, there's a certain kind of poignance in there but um, it's, it's, it's also just, um, it's so weird that like, all of a sudden, like for one episode, like Bart and Lisa know how to play cool music. It's <laughs> um, kind of true. They never really explained that. Um, they kind of like played that and loose with that. But, um, I, I mean, the Smashing Pumpkins like probably would have been number one on my list had they been eligible. Um, it's, it's just a, such a great gear. Like playing both sides of like that you're saying, it's like you know, one three blue beat. Like, bro, we try to make a difference. Um, like, God, I don't know how many times that's like that phrase been integrated in my life. Um, it, it it's just a, an example of um, the way just the youth, like the the writers of Simpsons, like knew how to like let the writers let like let the bands go, but like. I mean, also, like, Peter Frampton in there as well. And yeah, like, we're, we're, we're going to talk about Peter Frampton, certainly. All right. So, yeah, but um, to me, it's just, uh, it's almost hard to talk about because it's so, it's so brilliant. And yet there's, like, this real emotional sort of undercurrent. It's, you know, the one you talked about was, like, the same thing as, like, Beach Line. You know, that's where you quoted it. And um, it's, like, with those, it's, like, it's funny and, you know, it's, it's fun to talk about your and all that but at the same time it's also an episode about like aging and um, you know I used to be with it then they changed what it was and now what I'm with is I mean fuck man like wonderful like how how Yeah, it, it's it's pretty perfect, and I, I guess we probably should have done this at the top of this segment. But uh, for anybody who is listening and, and hasn't seen this episode, it's, uh, it's you know uh, it's, it's, it's basically the Simpsons take on the mid '90s alternative rock festival Lollapalooza. Uh, Homer ends up taking Bart and Lisa and Milhouse, and he's kind of aghast at uh, you know how much the culture has changed since he was a music fan when he was back in the '70s. And, you know, he ends up trying to, you know, he ends up actually joining the festival as a, as a, as a freak show side act, but he, he tries to relate more to his kids. And it's, yeah, it's all about how kind of, how, yeah, how hard it is to kind of cross the generations when it comes to rock music and when it comes to being cool and, and with it, as, as you said earlier. And I think, I think my favorite line in this episode is after, uh, you know, Homer goes to the CD store for the, for the first time in, in decades and it's, yeah. it's changed names. It used to be, you know, good vibrations. Now it's suicide notes. And he has this very kind of sobering conversation with the, the record store clerk. And a, as he's walking out, he, 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 you know, he laments to, to nobody in particular. Like, I don't understand you know, what's going on with the kids these days. Everybody knows that rock achieves perfection in 1974. It's a, it's a scientific fact. Yeah. And like, Using 1974 specifically, like that was the year 
that like was in between albums by Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and, and Bruce Springsteen and some other acts. Like it is, I would say probably close to universally agreed upon as like the critical nadir for, for rock music of that era. And that the fact that, that they, they like placed Homer so squarely in that, in that mindset is, is just perfect. Uh, so yeah, you talked about the guests and, and, and they're all great. I think the, the four, the four hullabalooza acts that they have on the lineup are yes, yeah, Smashing Pumpkins, Sonic Youth, uh, Cypress Hill and Peter Frampton. And, and as, as I said earlier, I do, I do want to kind of go off on Peter Frampton for a minute. Cause I, I can't think of a, like a single seventies classic rock figure that would have been less likely to appear on like a, a Lollapalooza yeah. type festival than Peter Frampton. And apparently, uh, apparently like they, they wanted to get Bob Dylan. They maybe tried to get Neil Young too. And you know, the you know, eight people said no. And eventually they got Peter Frampton, but, uh, I don't know who it should have been. You know, you mentioned Cheap Trick earlier. I, I was looking it up, and apparently they were actually on the 1996 Lollapalooza lineup, so maybe that would have been the direction to go in. But, uh, yeah, it, but even with that, it, it's, it's so many classic lines, so many classic moments, and uh, I'd, I'd say it's probably the episode that I end up quoting the most in my day-to-day life. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that that certainly helps. Yeah, and but, but you know, so many different lines apply to so many different situations, and it's it's a it's a great episode. Yeah. And if, um, it, if if somehow you've listened yeah. this far in the podcast and you haven't you haven't seen it, you, you got to go out and watch that. Find find track it down. Do whatever and you got to do. Right, man. Like do that if you can. Like before you listen to anything we have to say, we should really put a disclaimer at the beginning of it. Like, <laughs> don't listen to us until you've seen all ten ever ten first ten seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, and, and and hopefully uh, the 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 youth of America that are currently like lionizing s- seasons twenty one to thirty of The Simpsons and you know never even seen the first ten seasons at this point uh, they can go back and, and rediscover uh, what, what we initially fell in love with. All right, I think we, we got to get going, man. Thank you so much, Ian Cohen, for for appearing on this podcast, memorializing our probably favorite TV show of all time. Awesome! Thank you so much for inviting me. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.